0: Bay Hills Community Church is pleased to have you with us as we continue our series, Big Faith Questions. In this series, we're looking at some of the big and tough questions for which people expect us to have an answer. Today, Lead Pastor David Fosselt addresses the question, Do you really believe Jesus is the only way to heaven? This is one of those life and faith questions that will have a great impact on our lives. Listen as Pastor Dave lays some groundwork to get us using our brains as we investigate where the idea of this question came from, and then he'll give us some pointers on how we can let the answers give new direction and purpose to our daily lives.
1: So uh, this week, I googled stress-producing questions, or uh, questions that are going to produce conflict, questions that are going to produce arguments, okay? And here's what came up. This is a fun one. You guys should ask the person next to you right after service. This is exciting. So who are you going to vote for this November? Huh? Hillary or Donald? This is so exciting. That would certainly... Depending who you ask, right? Or in the right situation, that's going to cause some issues. Here's a couple more serious ones, right? For for a lot of us animal lovers, is animal experimentation justified? Right. Depending on who you ask, that's going to cause an argument right there. That's going to cause some conflict. Okay. Here's this next one. Do guns make society safer or more violent? That's going to cause some problems. Oh, this one is fun, right? Uh, so, uh, have you gained weight? Huh? Or a related one? Are you pregnant? Guys, could I just encourage you, it, it it can look like the woman's going into labor, I don't care, you never, ever ask, are you pregnant, ever, all you got to do is ask that question once and be mistaken, and you will never ask that question again, I promise you, okay. Uh, here's here's another one, this is going uh, to create a potential argument, is torture justifiable? Depending on who you ask, that's going to create some tension, some stress, some conflict, an argument, Right. Uh, and then, of course, you've got the smaller issues, but equally can produce some uh, tension uh, paper or plastic Raiders or Niners, cats or dogs. Right. So it depends on what question you ask. It's going to create some tension. Now, the reason I'm starting this way today is if you grab your study guide, we're going to ask a question that if you ask a certain person at work or you ask a certain person in your family or a classmate or a neighbor or whatever, it's going to create tension. And here it is. Do you really believe Jesus is the only way to heaven? And depending on how you answer that, uh, and depending on how they answer that, it's going to create tension. It's going to create conflict. Uh, If you uh, weren't with us last week, we're starting uh, a series, or we're in week two of the series, called Big Questions. We're asking these big life faith questions type questions that have a tremendous impact on your life, and we're trying to deal with them. We're trying to answer them. I mentioned this last week. You need to know that this series, and again today, it's not so much a sermon. It's more so much a, it's much more a seminar. You almost have to think I'm in, I'm in a a college class. I'm 95% of what I'm saying is going to your brain. OK, and and so I'm giving you extra long notes to, in these. You know, I don't have a lot of stories or jokes. It's kind of a class. And but I'm hoping that the ninety five percent, because a lot of us were thinkers and we want answers to questions. And, and and our our heart is is enhanced and grows as we get answers in our brain. And so that's the that's the thinking behind this series. OK, and so that's what I'm going to do again today. Uh, and, and as we jump in. Um, you need to know. I, you know, I, I want you to like me, but I'm a big boy, and if you don't like me, I'm, I'm going to still sleep okay. And I say that because I, I and it's not me kind of throwing Jesus under the bus, but I, I wasn't the one who came up with this idea that Jesus is the only way. He's the one that came up with it. I'm just interpreting pretty easily what he said. There are dozens of verses, dozens of verses that I could show you. But just to jump in, I'm going to show you one. Okay, and it appears in the Gospel of John. And here's what Jesus says. They're basically asking him, how how, how do I connect with God? That's the question that he gets into. And here's what he says. He says, "Um, I am the way I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the father or to God. No one connects with God except through me. So just some very basic, basic Bible interpretation. Here's what Jesus is trying to communicate. OK, let's put the next slide up there. He's basically saying uh, one way, one truth, one life, which means there's only one road that leads to heaven. There's only one standard for what is accurate. There's only one way uh, to, to be truly satisfied and, and truly happy. And that one way, the only one way to connect with God is me. I'm the only one way. Then he goes on to justify his answer by saying, and the reason I could say that is because I'm God. So, I mean, he just puts it all on the table and he goes, that's why I can say this, right? That's why I could say this. Now, um, as we jump into this, uh, just to be complete, I'm trying to give you a complete picture about what this book says. How do I connect with God? There's two ways you connect with God. One is when you start your relationship with God. The other one is when you Continue your relationship with God. The first one is called salvation. The second one is called sanctification. I have it in your notes and I have this slide. So let's put it up there uh, when Jesus is trying to talk about uh, being the only way to heaven. Just so you understand, he's just talking about the first part, the salvation part. Right. And I have it in here uh, the, the sanctification part, because it's important for you to know that. But today we're focusing just on the first one. Is, is there any other way to basically get saved? Right. And Jesus says, nope, it's only me. And, and, and to break the process down, here's what it looks like. OK, you, you've got to believe Jesus is God. You've got to confess your sins and you've got to accept the gift of forgiveness and salvation. It's just that very simple three step process. I believe Jesus is God. Well, how can you believe Jesus is God? If you weren't with us last week, you got to listen to that podcast. His trump card is the resurrection. That's it. You, you, it, it it's the, it's the proof he, that he's more than just a man. Okay. So it, it, that is, it always starts with the resurrection. The second one, I hope is easy for you. It's easy for me. Every one of us has garbage. Every one of us has issues. Uh, every one of us has problems. The Bible calls them basically when you're, it's moral issues and problems, it calls them sin. You just got to admit that you got to confess that. And the last one is you're accepting the gift of his salvation. You're accepting the gift of his forgiveness. Okay. Now, the minute you go here, the minute Jesus goes here and says, it's only me, I'm the only way that someone can connect, connect to God. There's immediately people we work with, people in our family, Uh, people in our neighborhood that are going to go time out. Really? Who do you think you are to come up with this? There's some objections. So if you take a open up your study guide, there's four main objections. And I'm going to walk through with you and try and help you process. uh, Are these legitimate objections or not? Right. They're the sincerity, objection, narrow mindedness, popularity and similarity. Okay. so I want to encourage you, you know, kind of jot some notes down to maybe dialogue with friends. Please don't use this as ammunition to argue with them dialogue with them. Okay. Just chit chat with them. Let's talk about the first one. Sincerity. What does that objection say? This is what it says. Many good people sincerely believe and sincerely prefer other religions. So so you sincerely believe your, your faith is correct. Someone else sincerely believes their faith is correct. And someone else sincerely believes this other one is correct. Let's just let everyone live and let live. You do your own thing. I'll do my own thing. We're all sincerely trying to follow God. Let's just let it be. The problem is, very simply, sincerity doesn't guarantee truth. That's it. So, you know, when I was a student and I I took a lot of final exams and midterms and I very quickly discovered just because I sincerely thought an answer was correct, didn't make it automatically correct and true. And the professor could mark it incorrect. If you've ever gone to your doctor, they can try and diagnose what the problem is in your shoulder or your stomach or whatever. And, and, and sometimes they're sincerely wrong. They're not trying to do it on purpose. They're, they're trying to diagnose it. They can't figure it out, right? And pastors can be sincerely wrong. Mechanics can be sincerely wrong. Um, politicians can be sincerely wrong. How about stockbrokers? Have you ever had a stockbroker give you a, a guaranteed tip on a stock? And then three, four years later, later you discover they were sincerely wrong. I'm glad people are sincere, right? Uh, the opposite would be a problem. But sincerity doesn't guarantee truth. That's the problem. That's kind of the issue going on here. Let's talk about the next one. Narrow-mindedness. This is kind of a big deal, especially in our Bay Area. Any principle, right? Especially religious principle. Any religious principle that narrow-minded, it's got to be wrong. It's got to be wrong, right? Not to mention it's un-American and pretentious. Who the heck do you think you are telling me that your church, your faith, your God is the only way? Really, we're going to go there, right? And so you, you kind of get back into a corner, and honestly, sometimes Christians... Our tone can be pretentious. You've got to be very, very careful with your tone, okay? Uh, uh, but but that's where we get pushed into. Something that narrow-minded has got to be wrong, Ex- except we never apply this principle to any other area of our life. When we take out our keys, we we understand, and we are very very narrow-minded on the key that we choose to open our house. We don't go into it going, any key will open the door to my house. No, it's only one key. When, when the doctor does give you a prescription, you, 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 you know there's that one medication that's going to help you. you. You don't just pick anything out of the cupboard. No, you're very narrow-minded in your choice. Let me give you another example. Let's just decide that uh, I, I think, and I decide that gas is just too expensive. Now I, I realize it's, you know, it, it, just for the sake of the illustration, I decide it's just too expensive. Gas is too expensive. I, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put instead of putting unleaded fuel in my in my Toyota Camry, I'm going to put. Diet Pepsi. Okay, just an illustration. Diet Pepsi, my favorite soda, right? So I put it in. What's going to happen to my car? Duh, it's going to blow up. How reasonable would it be for then me to get on the phone, call Toyota Corporation up and go, you know, I did the um, I did the, the consumer report thing and, they, and it gave the Camry four and a half stars. Your car sucks. I've had it for one year and it already blew up. And then in discussion, they discover why it blew up. I put Pepsi in the tank instead of unleaded fuel, right? And they go, hey, you weren't allowed to do that. You were, you were only allowed to put unleaded fuel in that gas tank. How reasonable is it for me to say at that very moment, well, that sure is narrow-minded. Who are you to say what I can put in my gas tank or not, right? You know why it's narrow-minded? Because in my glove box, I grabbed it this morning. This is the, this is the Camry Bible, it's produced by Toyota. You know why Toyota produced the Camry Bible? Because they produced the Camry. Do, do you know why God gets to tell us how life works? Because he made you. That's just how it works. That's just how it works. You may not like it. You may not agree with it. But, but what, is, what, what this is to my Camry, this is to life. Toyota made the Camry, so it gets to make the rules. God made the world, so he gets to make the rules. So again, understand that just because something is narrow doesn't automatically make it wrong. There are a lot of areas of your life, in my life, that we are very narrow-minded in our thinking. The next one, let's talk about it. Popularity. So the popularity argument goes like this. There are billions of people who disagree right? That Jesus is the only way and and that many people just can't be that wrong. Literally billions of people, right? Again, uh, just because you're sincere doesn't automatically make it true. Uh, Just because something is narrow doesn't mean that it's not also true. And just because something is popular or unpopular doesn't make it true or untrue. So, you know, and it's very simple. Um, Saddam Hussein, you guys know this. He was an ally of America at one point in time. You know this, right? We were giving him millions of dollars. He was a very popular leader in Iraq. That didn't necessarily and automatically make him a good leader just because he was popular. In the 1930s, we all know that uh, 98% of the population in Germany belonged to the Nazi party. Just because the Nazi party was a popular thing does not automatically make it true. There was a period in our history that slavery was not only accepted, but very popular. Just because it's popular doesn't make it good or true. Some of you are Niner and Giants fans. That does not make it good or right to do, right? So, hey, hey, you guys got baseball feeder? Huh? I do. The Cubs are going to go all the way this year. That's it. What do you like? I had a dream and I put last week's offering on it. Was that wrong for me to do? So, so just because something is popular... Doesn't automatically make it true. Just understand this. Now, the one that I'm going to spend most of our time on is this last one, because it's the one that gets the most press, right? And that we need to get a dig a little bit deeper in. It's this similarity objection. See, there are many different religions, many different faiths, right? And many different paths to God. But when you boil it down, they're all basically the same, they're all the same. I mean, they all say the same stuff, right? God is, you know, he made the world and controls the world, you know, and that, all that thing. And just, you know, be a loving person, be a, be a good parent, you know, don't kick cats and dogs and you should be all right. You know, I mean that they all say the same thing, right? It's, you know, here's how it works, pastor. It's, it's like the story of, of, of the five or six blind guys that, that 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 went to the zoo, and they went to the zoo because they got special permission by the zookeeper that every a couple of animals, the safe animals, they would be allowed to touch and get a feel for what animals look like. So they went to the elephant, right? And, and they all got a feel for what what the elephant was. And that night they were all arguing with one another. All arguing about what an elephant looks like because the first guy went up, right? The blind guy, and he went up and he touched the the body of the elephant. So he was trying to to tell all his buddies that an elephant is like a big wall, big coarse wall with some you know kind of coarse hair on it. And, and the next guy goes, I don't know what you're talking about because he had touched the tusk of the elephant. He was saying an elephant is smooth and really you know kind of pinchy and pointy at the end and, and then the next guy goes you guys both are wrong you know because he had touched the leg of the elephant and 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 no elephants are more like a tree trunk right the, the next guy's like you know i i don't know what's going on with you guys but he had touched the tail he said no it's like a, it's like a really it's like a, a rope or a whip and then the last guy said no 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 elephants he had touched the trunk i mean you know and, and he said the trunk he said it's like a big long snake but you see, see the moral of the story is that they were all right. They were all right. They're all, they were all, it's an all elephant. And that's, that's how it is with God. It's how it is with religions. Everybody's kind of touching a different piece of God. Everybody's looking at it from a different perspective, but it's all still an elephant. It's all still God. It's the same thing. You see, that's what I mean, right? It's all similar. It's basically the same thing. And then you have kind of somewhat smart people in the world saying kind of the same thing. So you have someone that was, kind of one of these religious leaders, right? This guy, Mahatma Gandhi, look what he said. The soul of religion is one, but it's encased in a multi- multiple forms, you know? It's like different cars out there, but they all get you from point A to point B, right? Then, then a law professor from Harvard, right, kind of a smart guy, Sheriff Barciona, he said different religions are equal in the eyes of God. And then one of the the deepest thinkers and philosophers of our day, uh, let's put it up there. Uh, Oprah says, uh, (laughs) uh, one of the biggest mistakes we make is to believe that there's only one way. There, There are many different paths to God. Right. And so now you look at this next slide and you look at just some of the major religions, you got Islam and then the the circle right next to it, the yin and the yang, the, you know, the Taoism transcendental meditation, what's on the far top right hand corner. That is the symbol for seek faith we got a Sikh temple in this area you got judaism some of us understand a little bit about that you got buddhism and then l ron hubbard and dianetics that started scientology you know so you want if you want to get into that christianity with the cross and the fish the christian science monitor uh, hinduism new age and then about a dozen more it, it's all an elephant it's all god it's all the same stuff right so just pick one of them right and one of them may take you a little bit out of the way, but eventually it'll get you back to God. And some of them are much more direct and much more simple path, but they're, they're pretty much all the same thing, right? That's the argument, right? So now what I need to help you understand and process with you is how accurate is that? How accurate is it to say that all faiths and religions are basically the same? Now, here's, I don't have time to go through all of them. I'm going to pick the top five most popular world religions. So open up to the chart inside. And what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna go over Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism, Judaism, and Christianity in eleven minutes, right? <laughs> this is gonna be so exciting, right? Um it'll take you a whole semester. By the way, and if you want more information, I got this book up here that you can pick up. It's really interesting. It's thin. It's got a bunch of pictures in it, but it gives you more info, right? You can always do more study. But I'm gonna give you the big perspective with the goal of you figure it out. You determine on your own, do these major religions basically take it, teach the same thing? You figure it out. Let's go to the first one. Okay, the first one is Islam. Of course, that's in the news a lot today because of extreme Islamic fundamentalists. Um, but but let's just focus on the primary teachings of Islam. Uh, the key figure is the Prophet Muhammad. Did you Did you know that pretty much for his entire life, the prophet Muhammad didn't, didn't do a, a day's work. Did you know that? Do you know why? This is, you can find, this is major history, and you can find it anywhere. Prophet Muhammad married a very rich widow. And so, you know, he got himself a sugar mama, didn't have to do a stitch of work. I know it's weird to think of the prophet Muhammad that way, but that's why the history books tell us he spent all his time, he would just go out to the desert and meditate. Go out to the garden and meditate that's what he did right and he did it because he had a really wealthy wife and it was one of those long extended meditations that he claims that he was told that the one true god is allah and we are learn about allah through and that's the sacred writing through the quran now if you've never read the quran there's a reason for that Uh, uh those of the muslim islamic faith teach that you cannot read it in any other language other than arabic any translation of the quran from arabic to any other language automatically and completely corrupts it so that's why it's not translated okay uh so you're out of, out of luck if you don't get to if you don't know arabic but when it comes to allah and i think i have it in your notes a little bit about what the quran teaches about god it teaches that uh, that god allah is not personal so if you've ever heard that god wants to have a personal relationship with you not according to the quran frankly he could care less what's going on in your life I mean, he'll take care of the really big issues at the end of life. But whatever happens to you day to day is really not a big deal to him. He's a very powerful and judgmental God. And this is interesting. I don't know if you know this. But according to the Quran, Allah, God, is both the source of good and evil. Both of them come from Allah. So that's what it teaches. Now, if you want to get saved, uh, Islam and the Quran teaches, here's how you get saved. You have to uh, uh, Submission. To Allah, surrender to Allah, and obedience to Allah. It's a very works-based faith. In fact, one of the verses in the Quran, in their Bible essentially, is this one right here. It comes from the Surah. Let's get the next slide up there. Uh, The Surah chapter 23 says this. Those whose balance is heavy. Now the parentheses is mine to help you understand what that means. Those who have many good deeds. Those whose balance is heavy. They will attain salvation. So if you're a good person, you get to be saved. But those whose balance is light will be those who have lost their souls in hell, they will abide. So again, notice it's a very works-based faith. If you're a good person and you submit to Allah and you obey Allah and you surrender to Allah, then you get to be saved, okay? So that's what that teaches. The next one, let's move on, is Hinduism. Now, uh, there is no founder to Hinduism, There are hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of sacred books and sacred writings, according to the Hindus. Their top two are the Vedas and Upanishads. And they teach that there are, again, hundreds and hundreds of gods, okay? And um, the goal, the main one, the Michael Jordan of gods is Brahman. That's his name. Now, how do you get saved? You get saved through reincarnation. So depending on how you live this life, at the end of life, you get reincarnated and come back as something different. So if, if you do well, you get upgraded and you get to become like Mother Teresa and you get to become like Billy Graham. If you don't do well, you get downgraded and you turn into Charlie Sheen or something else, right? And so it just depends on how you live, right? Now, the goal is to keep getting upgraded and upgraded and upgraded. And if you keep getting upgraded, you know what you get? You actually get to merge with brahman god you get to be god that is what hinduism teaches it's just a continual process over and over and over again of either being upgraded or downgraded based upon how you live again notice based upon how you live based upon how you live it's a works based system of religion and faith okay the next one is buddhism Buddhism, the key figure is Buddha. So if you go into a Chinese restaurant, some Chinese restaurants, they'll have kind of like a little bowl with oranges off to the side and a little statue. That statue is normally Buddha, right? Kind of a little bit shorter, balding, heavier set fella, right? That's Buddha, okay? That's the main figure. He was, by the way, the son of a of a very wealthy, rich kind of king person. Uh, and this may surprise you, he did not believe in God. According to Buddhism, there is no god the point isn't for you to connect with god the point is for you to be enhanced as a person okay uh, their sacred writing is called the tripitaka and how you get saw, saved is through this thing called nirvana now nirvana is defined as eliminating all cravings and the annihilation of personal existence if you want to do that you need to become a monk that's the only way you can do that uh, and, and by the way, only male monks ultimately can achieve nirvana. So all of you girls are going to have trouble, uh, at some point in time. So if you want to go on online and study a little bit more about nirvana, you just Google nirvana and here's what's going to come up. So, so what you need to do, yeah, I know. So, so what you need to do is put Buddhism nirvana and then you come up with this. And I want to show you, this is what's interesting. This is the, the second image that came up, of Buddhism nirvana. I want you to notice This is basically how you get saved. Right view, right intentions, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right effort, right concentration, right mindfulness. Question, what's the number one operating word for this system of thought? You better be right. You better be right. You better think right. You better speak right. You better do right. You better meditate right. Because if you're wrong, you're in trouble. Again, all I want to point out to you is that it's a system of it's based upon what you do. It's based upon what you do. It's based upon what you do. Okay. The next one you're probably quite familiar with is Judaism, because it becomes kind of a foundational point for Christianity. The key figure is Abraham, the father of the Jewish nation, and Moses, the first five books of of the Old Testament. Sacred writing, Old Testament. God is Yahweh. Yahweh God, it comes across as he loves you, but he's a really, really strict parent. Okay, that's Yahweh God. How do you get saved? Ethnic morality is how it's described. What is ethnic morality? Well, you want to get saved, first question they ask you is, are you Jewish? no i'm kind of white i don't know what i am but i'm not jewish right well we can help you become jew uh and when we're going to help you become jewish there's a couple rituals we're going to put you through a couple couple things you, and then we can symbolically you can become a jewish person right so that's the that's the ethnic part and then the morality part is that you've got all kinds of hoops that you got to jump through all kinds of things that you have to do and if you're a, you're a jew actual in in with a blood jew or a symbolic jew and you do all these things then then you can you can get saved so that's that's what judaism teaches and then the last one that you're probably most familiar with is christianity i'm gonna go through it real quick because you know it the key figure is jesus the sacred writing is the bible uh god is defined in, in the in the bible as trinity Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I'm not going to define that that right now, but you've heard that. And salvation is, well, that's why we're in this mess. That's why we're talking about it, right? Only through Jesus. You get it because you don't deserve it. That's called grace. And your only response needs to be faith. You need to trust God. So I don't have a slide, but if you look at your study guide right now, I just want you to look. You tell me, you figure out, can they all be true at the same time? You know what? It it just takes a, a fairly reasonably intelligent junior high student to figure out that, in fact, if one of them's true, then the others can't be true, by the way. And no one makes a big deal about this. Do you know that Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism and Judaism also say ours is the only way? Did you know that? Every single one of these world systems says the same thing. There's only one way to connect to God. Now, your question is, which one makes the most sense to you? But beyond that, don't just process it intellectually. I told you at the beginning, why do I think Christianity basically is true? Why do I think Jesus is the only way? It's because of what happened last week. You go, what happened last week? It's the whole study of the resurrection. That's the trump card. And if you don't believe the resurrection, then pick one of the other ones. That's it, right? Now, if you want to try and process, and I'm kind of kind of, Kind of windle this down now and get to what do we do with all this, right? Here's, here's kind of a graph that, that I, I put together to help you understand the differences. Um, let's start on the right. Buddhism and atheism teach there's no God. Christianity, Judaism, and Islam teach there's one God. Hinduism teaches there's many gods. So notice how they're all going on different paths. But what I want to point out to you at this point, has you, have you guys ever seen this bumper sticker? You guys seen that? That's kind of a popular thing in our, especially our Bay Area. And, and notice what it, they, they're very creative. It starts with what essentially is the symbol for, for the Islamic Muslim faith. Okay. The, the last one, the T is the cross. The one right next to it, the O is Taoism, yin and yang, right? Uh, then, the, then you've got the star of David representing Judaism. It, they even have Wicca represented here. Do you see the dot right above the eye? That's the sign for Wicca. The literally the church of Satan. And so they they kind of throw in a bunch of different religious symbols and say, hey, we got to coexist now. Hear me out. There's part of this bumper sticker I'm completely fine with and part of it that I have a little bit of a problem with. If this bumper sticker is trying to encourage us to basically conclude this idea that all faiths are permissible I'm fine with it. I think that everybody should be able to choose where they get to go to church. That is not only American. I actually think it's biblical. God doesn't want to force anyone. You don't want to believe. He's not going to force you to believe. That's the whole point. It's your choice. As an American, I would fight for the right for someone to go to church and ask and have whatever faith they want. I complete and we should coexist from the standpoint of respecting one another. Absolutely. I'm all for that. If that's what that means, if that all faiths are permissible, I'm completely fine with that. But if what this means is that all faiths are equally true. Now I got an issue. One, I have an intellectual issue. They can't all be true. It's not, an you're you're being intellectually unfair to your own brain. They can't, by very definition, be true. So, here's how I'm going to wrap it up. This whole section, let me show you what I mean. Let's put the next slide up there. When you look at these major faiths, Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism, Judaism, and lump pretty much all the other world faiths in there, they define their system of religious thought This way, one word, here's the one word, do. You better do this and you better do that. Make sure you eat this and you don't eat that. Make sure you you go here and you don't go here. Make sure you meditate, make sure you become a monk, make sure you go to Mecca, make sure you do all these things, right? And, and, And hopefully we'll be able to work it out and you get saved. But it's all, everything is based upon what you do. But fundamentally, Christianity is completely different. It is defined by a different word. This is the word. It's done. Frankly, it's not based upon what you do at all, because you don't have it within you to become that good of a person. You don't have it within you to become that holy. You don't have it within you to become that righteous. And that's the standard that God expects. So think of it this way. I don't know what the tallest building in San Francisco is. One of those skyscrapers. Let's just imagine there's a ladder from the bottom all the way to the top. And if you want to get saved, you got to go from the bottom all the way to the top. That ladder represents goodness, morality, holiness, whatever you want to call it. God's at the top of the ladder. You've got What? 75, 85 years, however long you're on earth to get from the bottom to the top. And the way you climb each rung on the ladder is by being a good person, by being a better person. So right at the bottom of the ladder is all the mass murders, right? They have done. Not only have they done not many good things, they've done a lot of bad things. About three quarters of the way up, you got Billy Graham and Mother Teresa and all those super people, right? I would be, I don't know, I hope maybe to about halfway, right? That's right. Someone thinks that's funny over there. What's going on? They must. (laughs) Right. Uh, Question. Don't answer. Just think. Where would you be on the ladder? Just process it. Where would you slot yourself in the ladder? Okay. now think about it for a second. Next question. How are you going to make up the gap? So wherever you're at on the ladder, how are you going to get to the top? Because. Every world religion says there's a gap between you and God. Every world religion. So you can spend... Now, if your answer is, I'm going to spend the rest of my life on a self-improvement, holiness and goodness plan. And I'm going to be as good of a person as I possibly can. I want to respectfully um, say to you that, in my opinion, I think you're going to be wasting your time on spin cycle for the rest of your life. Because while I might like you personally you're not that good of a person, and neither am I. And no matter how hard you work, and no matter how hard you try, you're not going to get to the top of the ladder. So you have one option. I'm going to keep working and keep working and keep working and keep doing and keep doing and keep doing and do my best to get to the top of the ladder. Or option number two, you can set aside man-made plans, get off the ladder, and get in the Jesus elevator. He's done all the work for you. All you've got to do is believe that he was God, confess your sin, and accept the gift. That's all you've got to do. Do or done. Now, does God care what you do? Yes, but it doesn't affect your salvation. It affects the fellowship you have with him. So don't hear me and go, oh, I can do whatever I want now. No, I'm not saying that. But whatever you do doesn't gain you salvation. All the way up until now, everything I've done so far, I, I've, been, I've been targeting your brain. And I've been trying to almost be academic in my approach. Because frankly, for some of you, it's a big deal. And there's nothing wrong with that. You want to think it. And you want to process it. And you've got questions. And, and questions are welcome here at Bay Hills. Okay? But now, the last little bit, I want to target your heart and your soul. And try and give you the applicational principles of what do I do now? Where do I go from here? And there's three things I want to encourage you to do. Okay, here's the first one. It's kind of the obvious one. Uh, Maybe today is your day to get saved or become a Christian or be born again. There's a lot of different terms, right? Um, Each of the verses I'm going to share with you come from the end of the book of Romans. And in Romans chapter 10, the apostle Paul says this. If you declare with your mouth, right? So it's not just a, it's a private decision, but it becomes a public declaration at some point. You don't keep it to yourself. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. If you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. In other words, I believe he's God. You will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. If you've been to Bay Hills for, I don't know, just even two months, you know that every so often uh, on a regular basis, I give people the opportunity to get saved. And I lead them through a prayer at the end of the message. I'm not going to do that today. I'm going to give you time, but I'm not going to lead you through a prayer. If you want to do it, you're on your own today. But I'm not leaving you hanging. It's that first page. And I just want to say say it in your own words. Say it in your own words. God, I believe Jesus was God. I confess my sins. I accept your gift of salvation. Say it in your own words. It may mean more to you than me guiding you through. Now, if you want help, I'll talk to me afterwards, go to the prayer room. We'd love to help you. But at some point in time, and again, I, I want to keep challenging you and encourage you. You've got to bite the bullet and say yes to Jesus. And why not today? Last week, you may be processed the resurrection. This week, you're processing different faiths and religion and Jesus being the only way. I want it. This is so important. It's a big deal. The second thing I want to encourage you to do. I realize many of you already done this one. So look at the second one. The second one is tell others. Tell others. Uh, Romans chapter 10. How then can they call on the one. Referring to Jesus. How can they call on the one they've not believed in? How can they believe in in the one Jesus. If they've not heard of him. How how can they hear without someone. Preaching to them or telling them. Uh, You know. I'm not going to tell you a story that gets you all warm and fuzzy. I'm not going to make you cry or nothing like that. I'm not going to be melodramatic other than to say this very simply. There's a lot at stake. There's a lot at stake for our coworkers, friends, neighbors, family members that have not embraced Jesus Christ. There's a lot at stake. I'm really glad you're going to make it. I'm glad we'll hang out in the cafeteria. We'll talk more in heaven. But what about all the other people in our life that as of right now are not? Do you think you have a responsibility to at least try, try and converse with them, try invite them to church or youth group or whatever, you know, well, well, pastor, you know, I get all nervous my hands get sweaty and my mouth gets dry and I get over it. Your nervousness is nothing compared to their eternity. You know, we as a church and the Bible teaches uh, church is not just about us. It's about the people at IHOP right now and at Ross that don't have an interest at all in God at this point. And we have a responsibility at least to try to try and and, and share the good news, the gospel news of Jesus Christ. And some of us got to We got to move it past uh, our nervousness and we got God gives us opportunities and we shy away. And I'm, I'm telling you, you shouldn't not anymore. There's too much at stake. The last thing I want to encourage you to do is to thank God or to praise God, or to worship God, you know, Romans chapter 11, do, do you ever, when you're thinking of different characters in the Bible, when you think of the apostle Paul, I don't know what you think of him, but to me, he comes across as kind of a no-nonsense guy, right, he's just, this is the way it is, he's just firm and tough, right, and, and, and in the book of Romans, first 11 and a half chapters, Paul Spends 11 and a half chapters trying to explain God, trying to explain the plan of God, the atonement of God, the justification of God, the salvation of God, the righteousness of God. And he goes on and on and on. Someone has said that if you understand the book of Romans, you understand the entire Bible. It's that big of a deal. And for 11 and a half chapters, he's been thundering away about who God is and how good God is and why it makes sense. And then right at the, after, at the end of chapter 11, it's almost like he breaks down a little bit. And, and, and it's almost like he, he breaks into poetry or song. And when you look at the end of chapter 11, you could see it's not didactic teaching. It's a song or a prayer. And after spending all this time thinking about God, this is what he says. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments, his paths are beyond tracing out for from him and through him and for him are all things to him be the glory forever. Amen. Here's what I'm going to do and how I'm going to end. I've spent a lot of time talking this morning. I want to give you about 60 seconds for you to talk to God, and I want to encourage you to do one of those three things. Either today is the day where you say, I want to get saved. And I've told you, do it in your own words. Make that decision. Or number two, maybe some of you are convicted this morning. I need to speak up a little bit more and tell others about Jesus. I want you to take 60 seconds and pray for whoever God brings to your mind. That person you care about that does not know Jesus Christ. Pray that God would give you the opportunity, the right words. Pray that God would soften their hearts. Or finally, spend 60 60 seconds and just say, thank you, God. You are a good God. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to connect, even though I don't deserve it. This is your time, 60 seconds, you and your God. You guys stand with me and I'll close this out. Dear Heavenly Father, we said it last week and just again this week, I'm just grateful that our Christian faith doesn't require us to check our brains at the door. And um, as we wrap up, Father, I pray, especially for those that are here that have questions and those that are here that are thinkers and kind of the philosophical type person, I just pray that you would help them and help them take their next step closer to you Intellectually, so that they can make a difference to them spiritually. Remind us, however, Father, that at some point in time it can't just be about what we think of intellectually. It also has to be a decision of our heart. Father, for the rest of us that have come to the conclusion that you are the only way, um, I don't know how other way to say this, Father. Help us live that way. Help us live in a way that is gracious towards other people, that has a sense of urgency, Uh, of communicating with others the truth of jesus father i thank you for what you've teaching us i pray that you would uh, put it and make it mull around in our brains give us the opportunity to to talk to others about what we've learned these last two weeks remind us father and and keep control of our tone and our words that we do it in a respectful way and in a way that helps those we're talking to we love you we pray all this in jesus name and all god's people say
0: It's our hope that today's podcast has enriched your life and answered questions you may have had. If you'd like more information about what was said in this podcast or about Bay Hills Community Church, you can reach us on the Internet at www.bayhills.net. Bay Hills, located in El Sobrante, California, exists to help everyone take their next step closer to Jesus. Thanks again for listening.